0: utter collapse oh boy 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 sorry um that was awful 24-7 lead for the colts with what four minutes ago in the third quarter and now you need help to get into the playoffs kevin bowen back another addition to kevin's corner we have we had to bring in someone different um to help out on the podcast this week we couldn't be running it back after that second half effort so we've got um the legend cousin of maddie Lubbers, bowen it's mikey shapker in the building Mike, sorry you had to witness that yesterday, Uh, but thank you for joining us on the pod.
1: Yeah, of course. Big time listener. Really uh, glad to be here with you this morning. Wish it was on a bit of better terms. Was hoping for um, a win. Looking forward to watching another Colts dub video um, this morning, but uh, alas, that wasn't the case.
0: Need help now in week 17. Um, I like you because you you won't uh, get too emotional with us today. And that's needed because, boy, DEFCON was reached. I don't know if you saw Colt's Twitter yesterday after the game, but it was, uh, boy, it was uh, a dangerous, dangerous area. So we'll talk about all that uh, as normal, what I didn't like, what I liked. We'll get into that. Twitter questions, uh, you can kind of get the gist of the tone of that. Uh, But before we get into what I liked, what I didn't like, let's start just kind of overall thoughts it's just such a crushing collapse considering what was at stake um unfortunately with just how the schedules unfolded for you you've pushed your you've put yourself in this corner where you, you, just, you flat out can't afford losses yeah, yeah your margin for error is so slim the two division losses all the losses are in conference and i felt like that first half yesterday that might have been their best half of the season yeah i mean literally just that one tj watt play which was huge but that was maybe the best half of the season, and then to collapse like that—I mean, that's pissing down your leg. That's choking. That's—I mean, Eric Ebron's waving to you on the sideline like that. That well, I, I yeah, that that to me is kind of just the the lasting image that I have of this football team now going into obviously a must-win week 17. Yeah, it'll
1: definitely be interesting to see here uh, where they pick it up after that second half. I know we talked on last night; it was almost two separate games. You know, we had the first half with. Dominance, a good spread between the pass and the run, and then the second half, the defense a bit deflated, not yeah. much going there with the pass defense, and then as well, obviously the offense not being able to put too much together.
0: No, I think that's spot on. I thought you achieved great balance in the first half. Boy, that Rivers throw to Zach Paschal. I mean, that's that is a beautiful ball and that deep touchdown. Um, again, great balance offensively. I thought at times you did a good job and kind of styming that front. Yes, T.J. Watt had the one play. Um, And then defensively, you, to me, it was varsity versus JV in the first half. And I don't say that as a joke. I don't say that lightly. That's what it looked like to me. Like outside of one play, the Colts thoroughly dominated that first 30 minutes. Yeah. And then for it all to fall apart there in the second half, man, it's just, um, here you are. Jaguars week 17 and they're getting Trevor Lawrence and you got to beat a one-win team and I do think they will get help. You know, Tennessee losing last night certainly throws that into the mix, although they could have a Deshaun Watson less Texans. We'll see how that plays out, but um let's get into what I um what I didn't like and what I and what I liked. Yeah, perfect. So, like we always do, uh start out here first we'll
1: we'll uh go ahead and start with the bad. Um as with the loss there. So, what you didn't like um here this week?
0: Yeah, you know, first Mikey, I I would just say in general, the second half defense is what stands out to me. You you can blame equal parties here, offensively and defensively, deserve blame, but that offense for the Steelers over the last month has looked like an XFL offense. It has looked like a unit that literally can't do anything besides three-step drop and hope the ball somehow gets from Ben to the receivers. They can't run it, and the Colts did a beautiful job stopping the run yesterday. Um, but yeah, it, it, that the second half defense to fall apart like that—that that to me is worse than the offense. And again, we'll get into some of the offensive issues. But um, Pittsburgh had scored what nineteen, seventeen, fourteen—I think. I mean, they hadn't got to twenty points in over a month, and they scored twenty-one points on you in twenty minutes of football. Yeah, I mean that's that's Kansas City Chiefs stuff. Yeah, and that's an offense again that is not having the ability to even move the football let alone score on you um, i thought that what got them going was really the first drive of the second half when big ben got into the quick rhythm and then hit on some chunks as well it reminded me i think i told you this yesterday it, it, it reminded me of the baltimore first half or a second half from last month i think you're up 10 nothing at halftime of that yeah. ravens game lamar jackson gets into that quick rhythm passing game, which the Colts wanted him to get into. That was their goal, stop the run, force Lamar to beat them. And yet Lamar was like, I think it was a perfect 10-10 in, in the second half. And Ben goes 23-29 of 29 for 244 and three touchdowns in one half of football. Like, flat out, that, that cannot happen. No playmaking. You know, everyone will be like, well, Ben gets the ball out quick, blah, 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 blah. We watched the Bengals on Monday Night Football hit Ben nine times. Yeah, Colts hit him twice yesterday. One of those is a blindside play-action blitz from Kari Willis. But you didn't sniff getting to him, and then you just didn't disrupt timing either. And, and, and Russian cover has probably been my biggest worry about this defense. You guys have heard me talk about it all offseason long, or all season long, really. And even over the past few weeks, we've tried to warn everyone who's been like, the, this defense is bending. If you can't see that, then you're watching the game with rose-colored glasses. The defense is bending. When is it going to break? And holy hell, the dam broke yesterday about 3 o'clock. It it was, um, man. Didn't disrupt timing. Um, Remember that third and two late where uh, where Rhodes and Kenny Moore make a good stop on the sideline? I think it was to Johnson. That, to me, Mikey, was maybe the first time I saw them up disrupting timing, making a play in space um, that wasn't seen enough. Well, in, then even even
1: then you go inside. back to that to that fourth and one there on that first drive of the second half where um, I think it was T.J. Carey makes a good play on the ball, good break on the ball, goal and line. Yeah, even yeah, then, yeah. But, you know, you look back at that and that was a seventy yard drive, first drive of the half, and it was a little. I mean, we were sitting there on the couch watching the game together and. It was been like, man, we didn't see this the first half, and you know that puts the Colts in bad field position there, and that was kind of the spiral of the of the second half there, having the ball on their own two yard line, um, trying to drive at ninety eight yards. You get a a bad run, um, a bad pass, a tunnel screen. I think for third and long, punted yeah. out there, and then it was you know all downhill from there. And, and I'm
0: glad you brought up that first Pittsburgh drive, which didn't end with any points, yeah. but that gave them hope. That gave them confidence of okay, we can move it, and now it's just. How do you get over the hump of simply um, feeling like you're actually in this football game? Mm-hmm. And I thought, and, and you guys know that I always try to pick a player or two out each week where I feel like the game really turned. I thought, this one's pretty obvious to me, the Deontay Johnson deep ball. 42 yards. Yeah, right right after where that, yeah. he beats Rocky Scene in coverage. Now, that is a great throw and catch, but that is Rocky Scene being targeted. Like, we've seen a whole lot here yep. in the second half of the season. And they did that a ton yesterday. And that play started it, you know. After they didn't, they get stuffed on the goal line uh, early in the third quarter. The Colts, like you said, go three and out with that tunnel screen to uh, to Pascal, and then boom, there you are. Now it's twenty four fourteen, and it just the, the, that snowball got got downhill from there. So uh, um, I thought it just more of a collapse defensively, and. I don't know if I said this on last Wednesday's podcast, or I guess we only did Monday last week because of the holiday and hope everyone had a Merry Christmas um, and uh, have a Happy New Year. Sorry about yesterday. But um, the Texans game, Deshaun Watson, 46 pass attempts. You had one pass defensed, and that was Bobby Okereke like – on a rollout, like getting in Watson's face. That was not even like a Rhodes or a Yassine or yeah. a Kenny Moore and cover. Right. Like, yeah. So this has been my worry. What happens when the playmaking disappears and the playmaking disappeared yesterday and, uh, and it absolutely cost you. So again, that was my biggest issue defensively. The other thing that I didn't like Mikey was just, I thought you abandoned your best skill player and that's Jonathan Taylor. I get balance. I get all of that. But to me, right now, and you and I were watching that Sunday night game as well. If you're making a tier of running backs in the league, it's Derrick Henry on a tier oh. by himself, mm-hmm. and then Jonathan Taylor deserves to be on that second tier. Right. I, I I don't know who else is there: Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, Alvin Kamara. I don't know. I'm probably probably forgetting other running backs. But Jonathan Taylor's running that well right now, and, and it's not ju- don't just look at his numbers. Yeah, how I mean, his numbers are you know very impressive. What is it? Five straight games of at least 70 yards rushing. That's hard to do. Yeah. In today's NFL. But it's how he's getting those yards. It is the make-you-miss ability. There was trash in front of him. There was the, you know, it, it wasn't all clean for him yesterday. And yet he was able to produce for you and and, and that I guess is my first problem with abandoning you, Taylor because again, when you got up 24/7, Jonathan Taylor had two carries in the final 25 minutes of that football game. You're up 24-7. to 7, And in my opinion, your best skill player right now, most consistent, whatever you want to call it, he touches the ball twice in 25 minutes. And so that, like that is an issue in itself. And the second part of that is an issue is you're playing with backup tackles. You're playing a great front, a team that's taking the ball away, maybe better than anybody else in the NFL this year. You need to alleviate stress off of, you know, offensive tackles that wouldn't start for, you know, Theodore Guerin High School. And, 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 and you know, all credit to Will, Will Holden. I actually thought he did a decent job of left tackle. But Chaz Green and Jamarcus Wet. I mean, you cannot put them in third and eights. Yeah. You cannot put them behind the chains. And that's what Taylor can – if you can alleviate – I have said this all year long. You've got to stay out of obvious passing situations because it's too much to ask for that pass protection to hold up against that front when you've got two of the best tackles in football, arguably the best tackle pair in football, out. And so I, I just thought that was a. And, and, you know, I know there's a lot of pushback that people inside of the Colts organization have given me since that game ended about this, but that is a, uh, that's inexcusable. That is malpractice to go away from your best skill player to that degree. You know, Frank said afterwards play calling wasn't good. It, it, to me, it's not so much the play calling, it is players, not plays. And, and I feel like you got away from a guy right now that is running nearly as well as anybody else in the league. The reasoning behind it is this. Frank basically said, Colts played a lot of three wide receiver personnel. So I think like 11 personnel grouping. Steelers are in base defense. And this is me opining a bit here, but I believe that the Colts have a rule that when it's 11 personnel against base defense, we're going to check to pass quite often, mm-hmm. if not every single time. And and Frank mentioned that, you know, they they check to pass a whole lot when run plays were called. So my issue is this: all I hear, and I do believe Zach Pascoe and Michael Pittman are pretty good blockers. Can you not block out of th- out of eleven personnel? You've mm-hmm. always said yeah. you want to be unpredictable with your yeah. personnel. You want to be balanced. And then and then the other question is: Pittsburgh just straight up said this. I don't think your your number three wideouts can win against our base personnel. I don't think that your ability to pass the football can win against us. For 60 minutes. And so we're going to play base and our front is going to beat your pass protection, whatever, package, Mm -hmm. uh, game plan, whatever you want to call it. And then we just don't feel like Rivers will get to that progression to where he can, you know, chew up or eat up a team that's playing three linebackers on the field. And you frankly just got out coached and out executed there in the second half. So, um, yeah, that was my, did, did you feel like that they, that they got away from Taylor? I
1: definitely do. And I think the interesting thing was you look at that, you know, that first drive in the second half there. And I think the first play of the second half was a run to Taylor for about four or five yards, um, you know, in a pile of dirt there. Um, I think that first drive was reminiscent of the first half, and we were sitting on the couch. Everything looked good. You know, I think it was about a 50 50 spread. Um, And I think Naheem Hines even had a 10 yard run in there somewhere as well. Um, And you look at that third and three, and I remember thinking, why are we not running on 3rd and 3 on the 10-yard line then you end up in a play action pass Rivers sack. is sacked. set
0: the sack, and, yeah.
1: Um, you know, think about that 4th and I think it was 4th and 10, field goal penalty puts you at 4th and 6, maybe 4th and 1 we go for it. Mm-hmm. So, I was That's a bit a good point. at that first uh why not run it there and then it was kind of the same uh the same stage throughout the game. So,
0: um I'm getting an email right now, updated week 17 schedule. I just want to make sure nothing's been changed. Okay, yeah, Colts are still at 425 um, because they're playing to try and win the division, which is which is kind of another subplot that we can get into later. Um, lastly, on Taylor, Mikey, before we move on to what I like, because let's not ignore, again, the first half was damn good. I think there was a play, 24-14, Colts get the ball back. It might have been the first play of the series. Mm-hmm. Free rusher up the middle. Romo kind of described this. Taylor goes to the right of Rivers and can't pick up whoever was. Yeah. Right, right. Vince Williams, whoever was yeah. the free rusher. And Rivers gets sacked. And that play, I don't know if it, downed, it led to him being outright benched, but I think it limited his play time, which to me is inexcusable. Because – we go back to, and this is probably my biggest gripe with Reich and the offense as whole, I, I, play calling is not as much of an issue to me as it is you deviate from players when they don't necessarily perform in situations where it's risky to put them in to begin with, Yeah, if that makes sense. Basically, Jonathan Taylor's strength as a running back is what? First down, second down. Like, yeah. that's him. I mean, he didn't do a whole lot of that at Wisconsin. So just because, and he was great in blitz pickup several times yesterday, Yeah. but he misses one blitz, and now all of a sudden, does that lead to him touching the ball? You know, whatever. Two more times the rest of the game. Like, that can't, you have got to play to your players' strengths. And again, that's a Tom Rathman call, because he's a running backs coach, he dictates how personnel, and that gets back to the bigger picture. Reich handling offense. If I'm Frank Reich and I'm on the headset right then, or I, Tom Rathman's on the sideline, you go for Tom Rathman, you say, look... I know JT missed that, and I know that's a cardinal sin for you as a running backs coach, but I'm sorry. Pound the ball. That's our bell cap. Yeah. We have got to get him back in the football game. So that's where I think my biggest issue, Reich, maybe more uh, big picture of just how he's handled running back personnel this season. All right, well, what do I have down there for what I liked? What was the um, – I feel like I liked uh, – What I liked. First half
1: dominance okay. and Jonathan Taylor has arrived.
0: Yeah, I I guess let's start with first half dominance. It's, um, like you said, and Mikey, I thought it was a great point you made. I thought you said great balance in the first half. Yeah. You know, the the running numbers weren't out of the world, but they were enough to keep you in third and manageable. And, man, Rivers was damn efficient. He was like 9 of 12 or like 150 or something Mm -hmm. in the first half. and uh, you know obviously you hit some big plays in the passing game post catch you had the deep ball to Pascal like i talked about i mean that was 21-7 and that was an ass kicking yeah. like I, it should it should have been more uh, mike tomlin with one of the more idiotic non timeout decisions i've ever seen in the first half and i just laughed at it like i was like okay you have been thoroughly you thoroughly dominated offensively defensively special teams and coaching For that first 30 minutes, you look like a team that needed a win to control your, I know you can't control your own destiny, but you know what I'm saying. Um, So, yeah, man, I just thought every facet that was, that was an ass kicking for 30 minutes. And then uh, I I guess Taylor has arrived. I I just think he's he's looked like a top five running back in the league here over really second half of the Green Bay game. That's where it's all kind of turned for me is he just looks like a stud
1: and i think it was what he's got 400 yards in the past 5 games or something of the sort there where he's kind of finally making his mark as that that true number one running back there which you know this game that first half it, i think it proved it so you look back at some of those touchdown runs that he had he's breaking two or three tackles right um you know running boy i
0: forgot about that touchdown run. what yeah. an effort that was so that was great effort from him there he um You know, when you ask the coaching staff what's changed, I've mentioned before I see some Le'Veon Bell, Steeler patience out of him, uh, which is high praise in my mind. But the Colts often use confidence. He's just a more confident runner. And I think what that is to me is he's confident. You know, he understands kind of, okay, these are our schemes. This is how we run out of shotgun. I didn't do that a whole lot at Wisconsin. And that confidence, I think, allows the God-given traits to show. And, and, I mean, flat out, we know he's got that. I mean, he's 230. and. Run four three. I I didn't I didn't know he had this much make you miss ability. You know when you watched him at Wisconsin, I mean boy, uh, you know I, I you could average four and a half per carry at Wisconsin. I think I might sniff two and a half yeah, per yeah. per carry because that offensive line is just that that dominant. So I don't know if he had to deal with as much right in front of him early in plays. Yeah, uh, but boy, I'm seeing some cuts now that it's like damn. <laughs> I mean that's <laughs> Naeem Hines type cut. You know yeah. like. So I, I that to me is you know you always take little individual things out of games, and there's not a whole lot again that will shift my thinking about what I think this team can do in January I just I, I still think the ceiling is max one win, but if you can ride Taylor, funky things can happen yeah. you know I mean obviously uh, I'm not talking to the degree of Tennessee last year, but you 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 saw what happened when they rode Henry. Uh, Taylor is on the verge of that so. Um, that I think is your one positive. If you want to take anything from a positive standpoint away from this podcast, certainly take that. And, and that was still a very dominant 30 minutes of football. The run defense just embarrassingly bad or good yeah, and, and embarrassingly bad for the, for the Steelers. So uh, really good first half, but unfortunately this is 60 minutes and I don't know, man, maybe one of those Texans game, the Colts has kind of deserved some loss, but uh, I still can't believe that, that that, that happened. I mean, you're up 17 in the NFL with 20-ish minutes to go in the game. It's really hard to lose. Yeah, really I mean, hard to lose. And, and getting away from the run, too. Then you're more susceptible to the clock stopping. Yeah, and and, and I, 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 that's kind of a soft way and kind of a you know very uh, you know prevent sort of attitude to trying to attack versus hang on, which is what River said. But still, it it is a byproduct and it wouldn't have been high on my list of like, these are reasons we should run it. The reason you shouldn't run is because Jonathan Taylor is on your football team. But that, that is kind of another subplot. You got anything else to add before we get into Twitter questions?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that is, that is the one thing that was kind of interesting. You don't like to see your team, you know, we didn't want to run out the clock, but at the same time, when you're running the ball, as well as they had and mixing in some, some good play action pass there and, and people are catching the ball. Um, I mean, it's just definitely tough to see. Um, I would say the defense caught a couple bad breaks there with some pass interference calls. For um, sure. But at the same time, when you look back at it, we had, I mean, I think I said we had two chances to score there, um, both with four what, four and a half minutes left and then there with a minute and a half. Kind of got bailed out with that TY pass interference call. And at the end of the day, like we talked about last night, you got you to gotta execute on those. So, you know, I, I can't blame it all on, you know, play calling or, or wanting to run the ball, but you also... Can't blame it on the defense because they had a couple good stops there. Um, there at the end, you know, they kind of they did bend but not completely break. And you know, Rivers gets the ball back twice, chance to score um, both of those times, and weren't able to execute. So that was definitely tough um, as a fan to watch that happen there twice. Um,
0: I think we have a question a question about officiating, so we'll so we'll wait on that. But I'll just say this: the rest weren't great by any means. The Colts were worse. Like that second half,
1: you 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 were worse, and I would um, say they had their chances too. On I, I don't you think did. it was. I don't yeah. think it was. You know, it was equally bad. It yeah, wasn't the Colts getting yeah. screwed the entire time.
0: I don't know where to fit this in, but I'll mention it before we get into Twitter questions, Mikey. The first and ten, Yolo ball by Rivers that gets picked off. Yeah. What six minutes to go? Something yeah. like that. Five minutes. I mean, no need for that. And, and, and that's Rivers taking a shot, and we've talked about it. He will attempt balls. That Jacoby would never have attempted. Which yeah. there's good and bad with that. It, more often than not, it's been good this year. But that is what you do when you're when you're behind, and that is that is. We talked about it last week. Such a big benefit from that Texans win was you orchestrated a big offensive drive with a tie score. Mm-hmm. Well, yesterday was different. You were behind. How would you react to that? And this offense, down two very important players, did not deliver, yeah. and, and that and that remains a concern entering the month of January. Let's, uh, let's get into Twitter questions. Start it off for us. Perfect. We'll go ahead
1: and jump right in here. First Twitter question is from Jordy. My biggest criticism of Reich has always been... Time out.
0: How good of a shooter is Jordan Halls? Jordy Halls. Dude,
1: one of the best all-time... Do we think this Hoosiers? is Jordan Halls? I'd hope so. I'd like, to, I'd like to hope so.
0: All right. What's, what's, uh, what, what's Jordy? Jordy's asking? got a bit of criticism here.
1: Um, his biggest criticism of Reich has always been he abandons what is working in order to be unpredictable. Maybe his analytics team is telling him to switch it up. The obvious example in his in this game is he abandoned the run in the second half despite dominating the first half. I say do what works until they stop it. Stay in the game flow. Do you agree of this criticism? What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I I do, Jordy. Um like I was mentioning earlier, running back personnel I think is my biggest issue. It's I, I get having these rules, and, and, and I get, like, okay, if this personnel package is in the game, we're going to do this. Like, that's fine and well, but there comes a point in time where you've got to abandon some stuff. You know, what was the Ed Reed story that he told about how he purposely ran the wrong defense one week, yeah. knowing Brady or Manning would see that on film? And, and they then, would then, recognize him yeah. audible, yeah. You know, I'm not talking to that degree, but Rivers and Frank Reich, arguably the best quarterback Head coach, uh, chess match, mental combination in the NFL. Sometimes you got to abandon those rules. Yeah. Sometimes you you you've got to get away from that and say, "How do we win this football game?" Not how do we install our offense in May, and that's going to be the rules that we live by for a 17 week schedule. Um, so yeah, I, I, players not plays, man. Jonathan Taylor, he is your best skill player right now, and and that's in all caps. It alleviates stress from Chaz Green and 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 Will Holden and Jamarcus Webb. Like, I mean, think about some of those third downs in the second half: third and eight, third and eleven, third and eighteen, mm-hmm. th- even even the third and fives. Like playing behind the sticks
1: the entire y- second yeah, half. Boy, yeah,
0: boy, that is such a recipe for disaster.
1: I was going to say the only other point on that would be, I mean, even think about that on that first drive of the second half. They're running the ball pretty well behind those 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 two tackles, right? Too, even so, it's uh, it is interesting to see if they were you know almost over analyzing it and trying to you know
0: which is weird because you know it goes so so much against their, their their mantra you know it's such a run the damn ball and it's such a you know we're going to trade up for taylor in the draft yep. and we're going to draft all these offensive linemen but yeah yep. Thank, thank you for the question jordy
1: that plays perfectly here into our second question from mike um on those two tackles um regarding costanzo and smith so do you think the colts win that game if they weren't missing um costanzo and smith there
0: <laughs> Well, that's such a great question. Um, So I had Steelers 2019. That was my thought before the game. I actually thought Will Holden played decent. Yeah. You know, I, I really didn't notice him. Now, to be fair, T.J. Watt is lining up opposite the right tackle. Hell, I'm pretty sure every play is kind yeah. of like his brother. They really don't go over to the other side. Um I thought you left Chaz Green alone a little bit more. I, I maybe you maybe you do win that game. I, I I still think the Steelers, from a defensive standpoint, I, I think they're really good, really really good. Um, but I'll go back to what I said earlier. I'm blaming the defense more mm-hmm. because that is a sorry ass offense. And that sound, might sound harsh, and hopefully Eric Ebron does not listen to the 26 minute mark of this podcast, but. That offense over the last month, there was there a worse offense in the NFL? And, I mean, I, I asked in all seriousness. I don't know. I haven't watched the Jets. Maybe the Jets are. Yeah. But if you told me at the start of the day, Mike, Colts are going to score twenty-four points with Will Holden and Chaz Green, I probably would have said, okay, where do you sign up?
1: You know, I'm in for that. Yeah. You
0: know, I mean, tw- twenty-four points. Um, that's probably a whereas now. If you're going to tell me the turnover battle's two to zero and you know things like that, okay. But again. You put up 24 on that scoreboard, and really, none of it was flukish. They they were all pretty legit scoring drives and moving the ball down the field, and it wasn't a big punt return or something like that. So, to me, again, it goes more on the defense. Yep.
1: Perfect. We got another one here from Jason. Biggest factor in the Steelers' loss, lack of QB protection or lack of pass rush from the defensive side?
0: You know, I'm going to go pass rush um, because you stop the run. When you stop the run and you set yourself up for these Pin your ear back moments and you hit him. I mean, Ben had to have thrown it close to fifty times. I I don't have the box score right right in front of me, but it had to be close to fifty. And you hit him twice. Um, I thought Kamoko Ture made back to back mental errors. He played eight snaps, and you know, you and I, I think both recognized that he didn't read the screen, the screen yeah. on Connor, and then he ran into Darius Leonard on that third down when Leonard had I don't know either Connor or Snell coming out of the backfield like. This pass rush, man. It's just um, when you were able to take away that run, you've got to get more pressure. The pass protection, like you're without Braden Smith and Anthony Castanza, of course you're gonna have some issues. Yeah. Five sacks. Okay, maybe a sack or two more than you would like. The Watt strip sack, boy, just fall on it, Chaz Green. Yeah. I mean, the, yes, those hurt, but I kind of expected that. Yeah. You know, I. But you're healthy on the defensive front. Their offensive line looked old. Monday night, and yet nothing. So yeah. I got to go pass rush, man.
1: Yeah, and I think even then, you look at I, I think maybe one tipped ball. Even you know nothing there. Buckner, yeah, Buckner had that one. Tipped,
0: yeah, yeah, uh, and, and, and you know what? Got to get more out of ninety nine. Yep. Yeah. Buckner, you got you got got to get more out of him in that game. And you you know I Leonard some tackles for sure made some plays in space. Kenny Moore made a couple plays, but. December football, week 16, you you got a three-score lead. You're trying to finish it. You've got opportunities to finish it. They're giving you chances. You know, they're throwing it a ton, and they can't run it. Couldn't find one.
1: Yep, we got another one here from Jay. Um, Definitely felt this, Jay. says, don't know how you rewatch that game and break down the film without crying. I think I'd quit (laughs) my job before watching that film again. Absolutely painful. What a gut punch. Worst loss of the Frank Reich era. Close second being Titans at home this year.
0: Well, Jay, when you rewatch it, you do it with alcohol. And, <laughs> and, and, and you do, it, you do with lots of it. Um, no, I mean, worst loss of the Frank Reich era. Boy, I, 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 uh, I can't go Titans. I mean, the Titans earlier this year, you had all the COVID issues, you know? I mean, you were down, what, Buckner, Autry, Taylor, yeah. and, you know, tons of people in that game. So I can't go that. I would say week one Jacksonville, honestly. You know, we, we, we will continue to say it. Week one, Jacksonville, uh, Primus sent in the tweet a few weeks ago. It's one of the worst one-night stands you can have in the NFL, folks. I mean, it's it's why you are where you are right yeah. now of no tiebreaker situations in favor of and really, the week one thing, it's you allow Gardner Minshew to go 95. I can't believe Mike Glennon is starting for the Jags. Yeah. How is yeah. Mike Glennon still in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, what was – Minshew was
1: 22-24, I think, that week, or 24-27, 26. It was uh,
0: – yeah, it was 95%, 19-20. Yeah. Which is just <sighs> – yeah, I, I, I will go um, – boy, I, this is a decent question, Jay. I, I – I will say second worst loss of the era just cuz the collapse, yeah. you know, it, it was a what a pickem game probably right at kickoff, but when you're up 24-7 in the NFL and you stuff them at the goal line. Think about how deflating that was yeah. for Pittsburgh. First drive, First, 70 yards oh. down the
1: field. Yeah.
0: And you don't score. I mean, yeah.
1: All right, next question here from Victor. Um, and this is something that we kind of talked in detail as well on. Um, how long are we going to hang on the mirage that the Colts have a good defense? They faced a stretch of awful QB play that favored their statistics early on and have not been going good since the Detroit game. They completely disappear for a half of each game and allowed TDs of 35 or more um, yards in five consecutive games there.
0: Well, I think Victor makes a lot of good points. Yeah. Um, and, and probably the most maddening thing to Matt Eberflus is the big plays being allowed. You know, we, we, we've we talked about it, and I mentioned it earlier in the podcast. What would happen when your playmaking does not sustain for 60 minutes? You know, the Raiders move the ball up and down the field. Mm-hmm. And what happens when Kenny Moore doesn't make that pick in the end zone? Um, obviously, Houston moved it up and down the field on you, and you got a couple gifts in that game as well. Um Pass rush, just way too quiet. And, and you guys have heard me talk about this all year long. You know, everyone says defense elite, defense elite. Good, yes. Elite, no. Mm-hmm. You've played, if I'm not mistaken, after week 17, you will play the easiest schedule in the AFC. And I want to say it's one of the easiest offense opposing offensive schedules yeah. that you've played as well. Um, so I, I just I, – I do, Victor, calling it a, a mirage. Again, you say – Mirage of the Colts have a good defense. I think it is a good defense. I think it is a, you know, I've kind of always said 10 to 12, you know, I think right around there is fair, but the elite boy, unless the playmaking is there, it's just not, not at that level.
1: Yeah, it, um, it was almost like yesterday. They were looking for, you know, looking for one of those gifts, looking for that that yeah. miss, that missed fu- that missed snap, that right. that fumble, that interception. You were kind of hanging your hat on yeah. that for that final seven minutes of waiting. You know, when's
0: it, it going to come? Yeah. right. Waiting for e, Ebron to drop it. And yeah, I, honestly, when he caught that touchdown, I thought he was going to fumble. I I, I just it, it 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 had the feel of like that being a storyline. But boy, I can only imagine the smile on his face last night.
1: He was definitely, um, after that touchdown there, Mm. he was definitely pretty happy to catch that. He told the uh, Colts' Colts sideline about that one. I'm sure he had some words after the game as well. He did. All right, who we got next? Next we got Scotty or Scooter here. Hi, Kevin. If the Colts don't make the playoffs, which do you point the finger at more? Lack of depth at the O-line? Loss at the Jags that first game there? Or injuries in whole. Um, Also coaching, um, he mentions there finally.
0: Uh, Probably a little all of it, Scotty. I would say the Jags lost being the first. But, I mean, I also throw coaching into that for that loss. But offensive line depth. And you guys are probably curious. Like, I didn't mention offensive line depth earlier and how the Colts handled that as a thing I didn't like from the game. I've lamented on that enough. You guys have heard me say that endlessly. The biggest mistake Chris Ballard made in the 2020 offseason was his refusal, I guess, maybe that's the right word, to properly create competition behind Anthony Costanzo and Braden Smith. You didn't have a single backup offensive lineman play a snap offensively in the NFL last year. Like, what? Yeah. Every coaching cliche and you, throw, iron sharpens iron and competition, competition, we'll throw the 90, you know, all that stuff you hear what at that spot with, with with that statue of a quarterback yeah like that is malpractice um and i, I am realistic i know you're not going to find super quality backup tackles but better than what you have yes
1: yeah and it makes you wonder what if that's uh or if this kind of next couple games stretch here hopefully a couple games what uh what that will lead to, maybe uh, hopefully as a fan, they're taking someone high in the draft there um, right. as, as a backup tackle to, to create that competition next year and push a couple of those guys who haven't had as much experience um, there on the O-line.
0: Because stuff like this happens. Injuries yeah. happen. I mean, you know, freak stuff happens on the offensive line. It happens every week to teams all around the NFL. The Colts have been fortunate not to have as much of it happen to them over the past few years, but and it's just so head-scratching because Chris is usually such a man of his word kind of in his roster mm-hmm. building. And yet, that went against it. And I mean, even with the COVID stuff, too. You think about, like, right. COVID, the COVID issues now,
1: they mm-hmm. can have a – there's entire offensive lines that have been out. Right. You know, Raiders yep. had an issue with that a couple weeks ago,
0: I know. Right. So. I mean, look at Braden Smith or look at the Browns situation yesterday at the receiver spot. Like, yeah, th- th- that, to me, even stresses it more. Um, for sure. That's a good point, Mikey.
1: Great. Okay, well, we'll move on here. Question from Mac.
0: I don't mean to take recency
1: bias and the emotions of such a disappointing collapse – seems like we're getting ourselves stuck in purgatory. I don't believe Philip is good enough for a deep January run the jets the Jets just blessed the Jags with the number one pick and presumably Trevor Lawrence. So now you're in a division with Watson, Henry Tannehill, and their offensive weapons, and what looks to be Trevor Lawrence there, all while having no long term answer at QB and was what doesn't look like a high draft pick for some time. Any thoughts on
0: this? He says hopefully you can give him some optimism <laughs> um you know Mac. He- you and I couldn't agree more on on, on this point. And I, I know that we've talked about it in the summer. My biggest worry in this going into this 2020 season is you would come out of it, continue to be stuck in quarterback purgatory without a January run yeah. to show for it. And honestly, quarterback purgatory is not purgatory. It's straight up hell, you know, insert franchise that hasn't found the guy for the last two decades. Mm-hmm. You know, we could rattle off ten easily. Like, when you don't have the guy, it's hell because it's so hard to find the guy, especially when you're winning, like the Colts are winning, and, and they're going to be drafting. Even though they missed the playoffs, they'll be drafting someone in the 20s. Like, And when you draft last year at 13, and now this year you might draft in 22, that's a huge difference. I mean, yeah. nine slots in a draft, especially in the first round, is just monumental. So, you know, I got asked this morning on our morning show about it. You know, would I run him back with with, with Philip Rivers? I would not. I, I just because I am such a believer in getting started on the next era when I think I know the ceiling and I think I know the ceiling with Philip Rivers under center, and that is good, improved, but probably not playing past Martin Luther King Day or yeah. you know wherever you want to throw the whole calendar in there and in, in in the month of January. So it it's a tough decision to be made. But Frank Reich and Chris Boward have got to put feelings aside. They've got to be accountable with it, and they've got to look in the mirror. Yeah. And and uh, my gut still says that they they will bring back Rivers, which, you know, bring them back, and, and you draft a rookie quarterback, okay. Like, it's not the end of the world. Again, it's not what I would do. Yeah. But if you don't do something significant at that position, come up here in three or four months, um, that is a mistake. Yeah.
1: And I think, like you said, we know the ceiling for Rivers is probably going to be one, max two games here come playoff time. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I would agree. I'm in the same camp of at, at the end of the season, move on. Do I think they'll do that? No, I don't think so. I think they'll give them another another shot at it, um, but it will definitely be interesting to see this uh, play out. So Got another one here from Armand. It says, hey, Kev, um, we've seen the Colts' offense collapse in a majority of second halves of this season. Just wanted to hear your opinion on why that is. Is it conservative play calling, injuries in key positions, or just bad execution in general?
0: You know, Armand, it's a tough question to answer. I just say it's a bit of water finding its level. You know, it's first off, it's really difficult to be good for 60 minutes of football. Yeah. Um, But clearly the Colts excel, offensively mostly, in the scripted portion of the playbook. And then I think it's just kind of... Kind of things evening out over over the course of sixty minutes. I mean, they've been so good in first halves, like it's been surprisingly, honestly, yeah. how good that they've been. Uh, but I just think there was a lot of pressure for the pass protection to hold up for sixty minutes, for you to s- sustain that rushing attack throughout four quarters and all of that. So I just think it's kind of water finding its level of where the Colts are as a football team, and that is better than average, but how much better than average? Like I just don't look at them as a top 10 team in the league right now.
1: All right, we'll go ahead and move on here. Another question from Sam. I really am not one to blame loss or praise at Reich for week to week play, but at what point do we start to question him as a coach to a certain extent? We've seen him multiple times throughout the year, abandon the hot hand, and this team has really struggled to play consistently across all four quarters. I wonder how much of that blame should be placed
0: on coaching. Um, yeah, it is a um it's a very fair fair question. Um I think if you miss the playoffs, that is extremely disappointing. Extremely. Um there's seven teams that make the playoffs this year. I've talked about the schedule you that you've played. Um, you know, to some franchises and to some teams, that's fireable. Yeah. The collapse in week sixteen and potentially missing out on the playoffs. It's not fireable enough to me. I I still think Frank and Chris deserve another year. But how is this seat not hot in 2021? Like so many people want to make constant excuses for Ballard and Reich. And we're now four and three years into it. And, you know, I'll make the analogy that like, you know, every time Rosie Bow starts crying, it's just like, oh, it's time for a nap. Yeah, she just needs a nap. And it's like every time I feel like the Colts lose, it's like a section that's like, oh, it's fine. Ballard, you know, drafts great. And, you know, Frank is a great offensive mind and this and that. It's like this is a results-oriented business. Yeah. And sooner or later, you've got to get there and show, and show up. And 10-6 and six or 11-5, and five, that's a nice season from a win-loss standpoint. But with how weird this year has been, it's not good enough in the AAC. Yeah. Like you need help in week 17 and that's nearly half the conference is above you. So, um, again, I do believe Reich and Ballard are the right guys for this job. I do, but I can't sit here and say like that seat should not be warm, uh, unless something, you know, really, really changes here in the next, uh, next couple weeks. Yeah, definitely. All right. We've got another one here from Jake. This loss reminds me of the
1: Jags game, kind of going back to that point earlier on our two, um, Two of our least favorite losses this year. How concerning is it that Reich doesn't learn from past mistakes?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I guess there are some similarities, Jags wise. I definitely like the second half effort against Ben versus what you were able to um, able to produce on on Sunday. Um, I, I thought kind of second half Ravens, like I mentioned earlier, a little mm-hmm. bit of Jags in there. I, I would say the 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 usage of Jonathan Taylor is probably you know, right, not learning from past mistakes. It's like, man, how can you make that? You know, that already happened earlier in the game. You had that game with the Texans earlier this year where Taylor touched it one time in 40 minutes, right. and you almost lost that game. So I, w- I would say that a little bit more, Jake.
1: All right, we'll kind of rapid fire here. We've got a couple quicker ones. Um, going back to the defense here. Why does the defense look so bad in the last few weeks? Giving up big plays, um, Rock is a liability, and we still don't have a consistent pass rush.
0: Yeah, Jeremy, I, I, I think this is this defense. You know, we, we've talked about it. Yards and playmaking. Um, the yards have been given up, but the playmaking has been there. When the playmaking's not there, this is what happens with this defense. Rush and cover is not a premier strength for this defense. They stopped the run really, really well. they got to be top five again in that. But when it's time to rush and cover, not very effective. Okay. Ryan
1: says, "Hey Kevin, why do all refs hate the Colts? Absolutely terrible. Thanks for the pod. Look forward to it every week."
0: <laughs> oh, Ryan. Um, you guys know full well I, I hate talking about the officiating. I, I think a lot of it evens out over the course of the game. I will say I do think the Colts got a poor whistle yesterday. Yeah. Um, the OPI that should have been called on Chase Claypool when Rocky Scene could have had a pick six. That was huge. I thought the Kenny Moore tripping. Like, come on, that's pretty incidental to me. I I, I don't I don't know. Maybe you got to call that, but. My biggest thing again is just be consistent. You know, have consistency. It was a very flag happy crew. Frank Reich talked about it afterwards, especially in in the secondary. But again, officiating was not great. But collapsing like that, even worse.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have minded that a uh, PI call that last one to Ty there at the end on third and yeah. ten, I think. But even even then, you know, I, I thought don't... that
0: was almost a Ty. Knew he wasn't going to get there, so it was. Let's run into whatever his name is, yeah. Edmonds or whoever it was. Yeah, and, and yeah. That that wasn't as egregious as I think the OPI and the uh, Kenny Moore tripping. Yep. Question from Stan here. Thought of a fun
1: one, either for the pod or just generally chatting. Rank the following in terms of the size of gap between national media recognition and importance to this team. So you got four teams here. Okay. Kelly Smith, we've got Hines Paschal, Autry Okariki. And then Moore and Blackman um, individually. Okay, so he's got
0: four little groups here. He wants me Mm -hmm. to rank them. Um, Boy, I'd probably say Kelly Smith, one. Probably put Kenny Moore, Blackman, two. Uh, The Heinz Pascal, three. And Autry Okariki, four. Probably how I would rank them as as importance. And I guess. I don't know, importance of the team, Gap, national media. Right? I mean, I have no idea what the national media thinks of, you know, some of those guys. It's kind of like, you know, some of them probably never heard of Zach Pascal. Zach Pascal, you know, I mean, it's like, you know. Yeah.
1: Who the hell knows? Yep, yep. Okay. King Kyrie. Your shows are good to listen to throughout the week, but the jinx about the turnovers hurt. Jinx are real. That's why Notre Dame will never compete with the big SEC sec schools and football because of people like you just do your job and don't stake the obvious damn
0: damn mikey that's hot calling out my irish (laughs) like people out there believe in jinxes like this is um it's one of the more absurd questions we've got in the history of this podcast i appreciate that king kai rethinks i have that power can you imagine if i had that power I'm not a big jinx person
1: myself. I know we, we've got a couple uh, in the family here that are, but I'm not a big jinx. Dude. I was right there with you. You know, it's 21 7. We're looking good. I felt, hey, we kicked this field goal. We yeah. go up. And
0: I, I tweeted, you know, that, that should do it. <laughs> it <laughs> should have done it. That should game have, should yeah. have been, that Steelers team had not scored 20 points in a 60 minute football game in over a month. Yeah. And you let them score 21 yeah. points in 20 minutes of football or 20, well, however many minutes. Like, oh my should have been over. I mean, and folks, I will, and I, and and I get like questions like this a little bit throughout the week. Of like, I tweet out stats, Like, yeah. You know, hot rods made X amount of field goals, or Jonathan Taylor's on this, and I will get people that like you are jinxing them. I'm doing my. F- we have little kids around us. <laughs> I am doing my effing job. I will tweet out good things. I will tweet out bad things. They will all come with some sort of. Research. I don't just say shit to say shit. Like, there is actual factual stuff that comes from all of my opinions, uh, editorializing, whatever you want to call it there. So, King Kyrie, top three worst questions, comments that we've ever got. And don't come out my Irish. Come on now. (laughs) That, oh boy, that's, ooh. God, I just pray
1: we can keep it close on Friday. couple days here you're going to have to be tweeting back to and re to that game, see if God. he throws up a jinx for your right. Yeah, thank
0: you. I guess I should just tweet on Sunday. Uh, Colts are guaranteed to win this game. Jaguars are guaranteed to win this game and see what happens. You know, Make people happy. I yeah, guess. Jinx, yeah, jinxers can take it as they will.
1: Gary's got some harsh comments here. He says, can you confirm or deny that they are changing the number 26 jersey from Rock to Toast? Love the halftime Instagram lives,
0: though. Keep up the good work. (laughs) Thank you, Gary. Yeah, man. Rocky scene's getting picked on. Uh, I got to pull up those snap counts real fast. I I can't. um, Okay, Carey played 27 snaps. Rock played 39. I'd like to see that flipped. I, I I think it's time to play TJ Carey more than Rocky Scene. It's just, he's getting picked on, man. Yeah. And now the good news is, like, who are the top, who are the great wideout duos in the AFC? Like, yeah, Kansas City, okay. Put them in a class by themselves. But, like, does, is there a team out there that can really, really threaten you with a second wideout? Now, some might argue, hell, you don't even need a good second wideout. Rocky Scene is still exposed. He's, he's going to get picked over there. Earth, but though. it's like, yeah. you know, you don't necessarily look at, like, I don't know, maybe if John Brown comes back for the Bills. But, like, I don't know, Corey Davis with A.J. Brown. Eh, you know, Cleveland obviously has got their wideout issues right now. Yeah. Um, you know, Pittsburgh. Yeah, we saw Johnson do it yesterday. But that's, I guess, the only saving grace. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. All right, we got about, uh, looks like, seven or eight more. So we'll get to these, and then we'll, uh, then we'll call it a day.
1: Yeah, perfect. Got a question here from Patrick. Hey Kevin, love the podcast. Look forward to it every week. Thank you, you
0: Patrick. Appreciate that.
1: You think Jonathan Taylor has a bid for offensive rookie of the year? He's got 10 plus total touchdowns over 4 4 yards of carry, potential 1000-yard rusher. I feel like he should at least be in the conversation. Or do you think the slow start to the season will hold hold him back? So just hope you had a great Christmas as well.
0: Yeah, same to you Patrick and and all of our listeners out there. Um I I think it's probably holding him back. I don't know. Who's is Herbert winning it? I just I don't, I
1: don't I mean I I I don't think that he's gonna have the ability to from that slow start and then yesterday I mean you look at that and they rushed the ball eight times in the second half that's yeah. you know yeah. sixty fifty sixty yards I don't you know don't it's know weird that,
0: that the candidates aren't really on playoff teams Herbert Justin Jefferson um, the running back from the Jags Robinson I mean, yeah he's had a good year as well yeah. so I, I he should definitely be on the list but I mean no way two is getting it you know it's you yeah. know so. I I think I can make a case for him, but I guess I'll probably go to Herbert. You know how hard it is, man. Quarterbacks always win that shit.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right, in stark contrast to that, we got a question here from Matt asking, was drafting Jonathan Taylor a mistake? This has nothing to do with Taylor as a player because he obviously has talent. I've never liked the pick since day one. Today's NFL revolves around the pass game and it showed during today's loss. No matter how good your running back is, if you can't pass the ball, you won't win.
0: You know, Mikey, I think this is one of our... um, One of our smarter fair questions of today's pod like Mm -hmm. we can sit here and say jonathan taylor is a damn good football player like i've said is playing at a pro bowl level here late in the season but you can still have matt's take and i will happily sit down and have two beers with you and go back and forth on this because Mm -hmm. i i i want to hear you out on this and i i'm not as like anti-running back in the second round as maybe some are. Now, I am not as pro-running back that early as, yeah. as as clearly the Colts were, but it, this is a fair comment. Um, he's not that much of a third-down guy, like yeah. which, you know, whatever. That's just his skill set. Like, it's not a total knock, but he's not Camara, He's not Christian McCaffrey. He's not, you know, whoever else that, that, that you want to throw there. And then, you know, Devil's Advocate would say, okay, what if the 41st overall pick was a left tackle? Mm-hmm. What if it was an edge yeah. rusher? Because in all honesty, Jonathan Taylor's shelf life, if you could get Jonathan Taylor to play seven years of you, seven years with you of good football, you'd sign up for that right now. Yeah, like, of course. Yeah, I mean, a running back giving you seven years? Oh, my gosh. What if that left tackle gives you 10 years? Yeah. What if that edge rusher plays into 31, 32? Those positions are more impactful. So that's where I'm always, A, when you hear you know, GMs talk, best player available, blah, blah, blah. No position influences it. If your best player available as a quarterback and you've got Patrick Mahomes in the second round, uh, I think you're going to go to number two on that list. Yeah. Like, uh, now, again, the Mark, Marlon Mack injury obviously is factored into this, but Matt, I I think it's a fair question. I, I don't want to say full-on mistake, but it's probably not what I would have done. Now, of course, people will be like, well, Marlon Mack tore his Achilles week, week one. It sure worked out well. And, yeah. But then I'm like, dude, didn't Jonathan Williams come off the bench last year and have 200-yard games? You know, again, yeah. this sounds like a knock on Taylor, and it's not at all. It's just how running backs are used in the NFL. We, we had this debate last night about fantasy teams and who would you keep on a on, a, on a keeper. Uh, keeper League. Yeah, 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 Keeper League. And the debate was Travis Kelsey or Alvin Kamara. And it's like, you know, now, Kamara is such a unique player. Yeah. He probably speaks more to it, but it's like, is it easier to find – a capable tight end, which again, it's unfair to call Travis Kelsey capable. He's much more than that. Or is it easier to find a capable running back, you know, or something like that? So Matt, really good question. Um And I, I just think it, it, it makes people think, which we like questions like that.
1: Drifting away from that number one guy, Trevor's got a question here. um, Kind of going back to that two, three wide receiver position we were talking on. What is Zach Pascal's ceiling? Are we seeing it now?
0: Um, Yeah. I mean, Zach Paschal a really nice player, but I, there is a ceiling you know you know he's only 26 which is still fairly young but if you look at his testing numbers when he came out of old dominion i mean he's not like a crazy explosive athlete i think he's a solid jack doyle serviceable yeah Yeah. i mean which you need it you want it. it i mean he played the most snaps of any wideout for you yesterday and it wasn't even close but i think there's a ceiling there and you want zach pascal as your number three or four not as your one or two
1: Question from Stanley, could you rank potential playoff opponents based on who you believe the Colts match up well against to the worst matchup? So we're looking for matching up um, from essentially the best to the worst matchup, essentially.
0: Okay. Um, all right, off the top of my head here, I'd, I'd want to play these teams in order. Mm-hmm. Dolphins, Browns, Titans, Steelers, Ravens, Bills, Chiefs? Do you disagree with any of that? No.
1: Do I have no Steelers
0: guy. too high on there?
1: After this week, it, it does make me question that a bit. Um, and I would say the Chiefs are the team that I am I for sure don't want to play. Right, after, right, right. After right. watching Big Ben carve us up that second half.
0: That is easy for me. It's just kind of like where do you – um. I'd rather play rookie quarterbacks, yeah. or, or young quarterbacks, and Tua, uh, and, and, and by the way, how is Brian Flores not going to Fitzpatrick? I mean, come on. Like, you're playing in Buffalo, it's going to be snowing, and you're going to send Tua out. I mean, stop. Yeah. I'm not as
1: structured on the wild card, so I was going to say, I would love to play. I would love to play that wild card game against uh Dolphins
0: there. And I mean, hell, some people would be like, just get me in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll play against anybody. But yeah, I mean, if you're talking matchups, that's probably the order I'd go, Stanley.
1: All right. Joe says, Hey Kevin, been listening for over a year now and you're good to the, you're the go-to Colts podcast. My question to you, Thank you is Joe. this. Even though the Colts have a ninety percent chance at the playoffs, do you feel comfortable saying they're a lock for the playoffs? He's he's gonna have you knock on some wood here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Joe. Um, I, I think this these questions we get into late typically get sent in before our Sunday pod. But um I'll say this about the wind or the Sunday scenarios and, and we'll get into this on Wednesday's podcast, but I really think the Colts are going to get help. Like, Buffalo and Pittsburgh, doesn't it matter to get the two seed? Like, and they're playing, again, so how it goes is Cleveland is at Pittsburgh. um, Baltimore's at Cincinnati. Miami's at Buffalo. Tennessee's at Houston. Okay, Tennessee-Houston, throw it out the window. Like, if Watson's not playing and Tunsell's not playing, okay, yeah, throw that out there. Uh, let's say the Ravens beat the Bengals, which I think we're all expecting. So now you got Bills, Steelers, or Bills, um, Dolphins, and Steelers, Browns. I feel like the Steelers and the Bills will want the number two seed. I know Pittsburgh might be finicky, but like two home playoff games? Yeah. That matters. So I think the Colts will get help. So uh, I can't say lock, but, you know, like I texted someone in the Colts organization last night, I really think you're going to make the playoffs, and I genuinely believe that. Feel good about that. We'll uh, we'll knock
1: on some wood for you there, Joe. Um, Daniel says, longtime listener from Indy who now lives in LA. Thanks for making my Colts fandom a little easier for you. My question for the pod is: With Jonathan Taylor showing some elite running back traits more and more each week, do you see him as a starter next season, or more of a one or two headed attack with Marlon Mack and Hines? Feels like the Colts have um, an embarrassment of riches there the next year if they re sign Max.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that, Daniel, but Jonathan Taylor's your starter. I mean, he's, you know, you guys have heard me say it, rookie contract, running backs, they don't sit. You know, you're you're still going to use a lot of backs, and you love Marlon Mack, and you want to see how he comes off the Achilles. He's still young. I've always talked about that, but Jonathan Taylor, is, he's your bell cow, baby. Yeah,
1: and again, I, I think we got this one in probably before the game yesterday. I got a question on Jacob Eason. and the unlikely scenario that we have a playoff spot clenched, which we obviously don't now, but no chance at winning the division. Uh, Could we see Jacob Eason starting Week 17 against Jacksonville?
0: No chance. Um, And honestly, even if they had a clinch, you know, if they had a playoff spot clinched, they still would be playing for the division. So I, he's not playing. And you know, honestly, Anthony, I really, and this is coming from the Colts. I I really think if they had everything clinched, I still don't think we would see Eason. Yep, that's just my thought. Josh
1: has a hypothetical. Um, he says it's way out of left field on the QB situation. We re-sign Rivers for another year. Green Bay decides to go with Jordan Love, and we get Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers balls out for three years and retires. We draft RJ Manning and let him wear 18. How about that, Kevin? What do you think?
0: Josh, I don't know what is in your cocktail, but, boy, send it to um, MS Communications, and <laughs> I will happily um, sip on that. Um, <laughs> I mean, Aaron Rodgers He's the MVP. The NFL. Not, that, not right? with the way he's playing. That. Know, so it was I, kind of funny reading yeah. that question
1: out loud. I don't know about. I don't know. Maybe
0: we go we go Arch Manning, and maybe we pass it off to Teddy Lovers. You know, and see if Teddy Lovers can you know lead lead the Colts one day. And um, did you? I I know you aren't a big golf fan, Mikey, but did you watch any of that? Charlie Woods, Tiger, Tiger. I did. Yeah, yeah, I caught
1: that. I caught a bit of that. That was.
0: Uh, Is there going to be more pressure on an 11 year old athlete ever?
1: Yeah. That like will, it's going to uh, be
0: it's going to be like Bronny James. You know, it's going to be like. We're going to get all this. In the social media craze, Marshall Manning's going to get it. By well, that I'm time, Marshall. yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah.
1: 10 years from now? Right. Maybe eight, nine. Green Bay's not,
0: no, they're not. Stop. Josh, keep keep dreaming. Not going to happen.
1: All right. Matt says Does our run defense without Buckner frustrate you or worry you at all heading into the playoffs? Uh,
0: wait, sure. I mean, like, but DeForest Buckner played what? 80% of the snaps yesterday? Like, yeah, he, he's, he, he's on the field a whole lot. He's he's so, gonna be playing. yeah, I, I'm not. Yes, if there's an injury, yes. I'm worried, but, again, he's out there a whole lot, as he should be. Mm-hmm.
1: Colts fan for life. Been listening from Los, uh, South Bay, Los Angeles. He says All this nice. is his favorite podcast. Let's go. Gets his week started, and thus, in uh, the Thursday pod, gets me fired up for the weekend. <claps> Let's go. Haven't missed an episode. Keep up the great work. Thank you for that. At one point, we need a young gun at QB. However, the Colts are going to likely end up with a mid- to lower first-round spot. That's not ideal. Would you like to see them go for broke and trade up for Lawrence or similar? Stick with Rivers, build around him for another year. That option could lead to the exact same situation next year um, as his as need for a contract may expire. So kind of that purgatory.
0: That yeah. You know, I think something we have to remember, Mikey, is like not every quarterback was taken one overall. I mean, yeah. Mahomes was, what, 10? Mm-hmm. Watson was, what, 12? Uh, Aaron Rodgers was in the twenties. We yeah. just talked about Rodgers. Obviously, you have just kind of the crazier ones of a Russell Wilson. Or, I won't even mention Brady because that's such a just a shot in the dark. But you evaluate it and you make the move. Green Bay did it this past year. They felt like Jordan Love at twenty three or wherever they were picking was worth it. Like it, it, to me, it's not something you have to go for broke. But once you find the guy, you're going to evaluate all the guys and you identify. Who is that guy? Go you, after him. You do everything. Yeah. You've got to run naked around the circle in Indianapolis and then go on Georgia street and hop on four sixty five. Like you do it. You do whatever you need to do to get that player in your building. Yep.
1: And I don't, I don't know, you know, lower down that QB board, what they're looking at next year. Um, I don't know that there's, you know, three, four five as, as much QB talent. Right. As there has been in the past. So That's a maybe good point. you do think about rivers for another year. Um, but interesting thought there. So,
0: what about Zach Wilson, BYU?
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm not completely sold on him. He yeah. did he he carved up uh, UCF there a week ago. I like yeah. I like that for sure. But I'm not sure that's the uh, that's that's personally not who I'm running around the yeah. circle naked for. <laughs> fair, <laughs> fair. Yeah. All right. One final one here from Trish Tristan. Um, he says, "Is it worth missing out on a potential home playoff game if we lose to Jacksonville in Week 17 to keep Trevor Lawrence out of the AFC South?" For the record, I'm not a nut saying we should tank. I'm just saying I would prefer losing and missing out on the home playoff game if that's what it took. Love the show. Thanks for all your work.
0: Well, thank you, Tristan. And obviously this was sent in before Jacksonville clinched number one overall pick. Yeah. Um, I, Mikey, I was so torn on this. We got this question a lot lo, last week. and like, Part of me says this. You're going to forego a potential home playoff game and a division title because you're afraid of a 21-year-old college kid. Yeah. That that that's, that's like the competitor in me. But then I also sit here and say, we're doing hopefully the 2,332nd episode of Kevin's Corner in the year 2027. And Trevor Lawrence has just led the Jags to their fourth division title in six years. And a reason because of that is because you didn't have the chance. Yeah. You, you, you passed up on the chance to, potentially- to go to one playoff game. Right, yeah. right. To go to one playoff game and, you know, theoretically, you know, maybe lose. Yeah. That that one playoff game, I would laugh out loud at this. So, uh, <laughs> it, it was a hilarious debate that Tristan. Many people asked me over the last kind of ten days, and again, unfortunately, the situation does not exist as we head into Week 17. But I would just say that I know, and you guys know this. I'm a big long term vision guy, but the competitor may can't do that. Now, there's no chance the Colts would do it. Yeah, but just the competitor may can't do it. No, cannot do it you just, no. I know that it probably is stupid and it's more of your ego talking but I can't I can't Mikey
1: yep no thanks and even then we talked to uh here past past couple days about you know those those QBs that have came out and taken those those teams from the absolute bottom deaths of each of those divisions and and who's really done it you know there hasn't been too many guys that have taken you know maybe Lamar Jackson but they Baltimore was a 500 level team they're not bottom of the division All one right. win team so I'm in the same I'm in the same boat as you I think that you can't you can't lose that game if if that scenario was open but obviously here we are
0: I couldn't agree more um Mikey, I appreciate the time man yeah no. I know uh you have I've taken up an hour you've brought great insight you've been stable um you have not um gotten your emotions on your sleeve like maybe some other humans that could have done this podcast did. so thank you for that yeah, appreciate it thanks for having me and on here I'll put you on the spot any shout outs you have for people out there or you just you just um you just riding into 2021 uh, I'll give a good shout out to Tom Allen um, here with the
1: Hoosiers rolling into the uh, into the Outback Bowl there um, Saturday right hope hope that he's listening um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no go Hoosiers here and uh, again thanks for having me on
0: you bet man I appreciate it um, we'll be back Wednesday with the podcast like normal again content all week long on one of seven five the fan.com deep playoff scenario thing if you want to look into that that's updated throughout the week as we see more of information come out from the NFL. So he's Mikey Schapker. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday.